During the 1960s, the US and Canada collaborated on creating a launch site in Barbados. But instead of rockets, they used very large guns. Using a 410mm gun, they shot a 960-pound object up to an altitude of 180 kilometers. Welcome to Two Thirds Focused. I'm Rasmus. And I'm Red. And I am not young. But you are Brett. I am. I am Brett. Yes. Sorry. Hey. <laughs> Welcome. And that's, again. That is, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How are you doing, man? I'm good. I am. I am good. I feel like I'm busy every single day and I'm working very hard on multiple projects, uh, trying to avoid that burnout feeling. But uh, I think the biggest advantage I have is the work is 20 feet from where I sleep. <laughs> so I just have to motivate yeah. myself to wake up in the morning, make coffee and get to it. Yeah. But yeah, that's been me for like the last few months. It's It's been great. And a lot of learning going along with that process. Isn't that the, do, the do you, worst part or the most difficult part to motivate yourself uh, in the morning? Because the work is just like near you and also yes. burn out because the work is near you. Yes. But then, yeah. honestly, I have had multiple talks with people about it. And they're like, oh, it's so cool that you get to work there. And I don't really ever want to play the... There's an aspect of it that you're getting at, which is like, well, yeah, but it would be really easy for me to just not. Or mm. just come inside and watch Mandalorian episodes yeah. and not focus yeah. on anything else. But uh, I feel like that's kind of one of those privileged moments of... like, I don't want to make it like, well, you know how hard it is to motivate yourself? Well, I think everybody understands that, but really, mm. like... I'm okay not bringing that up as any kind of argument or, or justification for how fun this has been. No, sure. I just, I, I, I had this conversation with someone the other day about that. Like working from home is also difficult because you have to stay focused on the work that you have to do and not be distracted by the groceries and the cleaning of the house and whatever you have to do in the house and just... Uh, allocate specific hours to your work and housework and it, it, it's two different things that you have to be very aware of so discipline is important and same Correct. thing for not burning out because when you are working from home you can do overtime easily without being aware of that oh, yeah. oh yes get oh tired. yes yeah you know <laughs> yeah yeah, we, we were talking about that, Rasmus, the other day. You you told me how many hours you worked this month and it's it's yeah. just a lot. So, and and I, I yeah. Uh, I realized on Monday, which generally speaking, I have Mondays off because I do markets and teaching in the weekends, which means I end up staying at home, not going to forge, but I do office work. Mm -hmm. So like with that caveat of like Monday that it was and that I was sick the first week of April, I had already worked 120 hours in April. Yeah, that's a lot. And then there's basically two weeks left or lost in that calculation anyway. Right. But that's also with two weekend classes and that's like 10 hour days because mm -hmm. first I prepare things for the students and I clean up after the students and then I want to forge because I haven't had fun all day <laughs> I've just been pointing at grunting yeah. all day <laughs> uh, so I want to have a go and do a few things um, and then suddenly my stomach starts to rebel against me and I need food I have had I think that's my biggest issue is I forget to eat like yeah. I just get buried in the work and I am I am consistently motivated by if I can see visual progress happening 
um, I will bury myself in the work a little bit more just to get a little yeah. bit more done so that I can see something be done and finished or, yeah. or at least further along. So it's a, my worst habit is not remembering to eat, which I don't think you're capable of Rasmus. As long as I've known you, I think you're he's not, uh, he's not. He, he eats all day. Like first breakfast, yeah. second breakfast, then lunch, then snacks, then dinner, then second I'm, dinner. I'm, I'm not going to help my kids at all, <laughs> but uh, dinner yesterday was a leg of lamb, a cheese, and all the crackers I had in the house. <laughs> yeah, you could have fed like a family of four with that. Probably, I, I I didn't I didn't finish the leg of lamb. I, yeah. There was a discount at the shop that like this smoked and cured leg of lamb that it's it's basically candy to me. Uh, <laughs> so I basically just sat with that and I watched uh, Clarkson's farm and I was just carving slices of meat off and nibbling at the cheese and what a, what a medieval way of existing. <laughs> just like I had I, lamb, I cheese, and some type of starch <laughs> carbohydrate. Yeah, <laughs> I realized I was doing it like. I am basically a parody of myself at this point. <laughs> yeah, all the jokes we've made are like, yeah, but they're not jokes anymore. They're true. <laughs> it's not stories. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Red, how's your week? Uh, uh, lazy. Lazy week this week for me because uh, I'm, I'm kind of exhausted, tired, and sick. Uh, mostly sick. Uh, I had one of the worst nights of my life two days ago some virus that somebody gave me oh. and yeah it was a sleepless night uh full of nightmares and and grunting like weird screams coming oh. not screams but sounds coming out of my mouth because i was not feeling well yeah, um, that's the worst. Yeah, that's 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 bad. And yeah, I don't know if you had these nightmares when you were uh, kids, but I had I used to have those when I was younger and I had fever. The like geometrical form uh, shapes, black and white, repeating themselves, coming mm -hmm. come, and and it was like I was zooming in and out, in and out, and that was something close to that. That sounds like a serious trip. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, it, no, it was bad, it was bad. Uh, so, yeah, but I'm feeling a little bit better. I haven't done much, uh, honestly. I, I, I work as usual, uh, taking care of the, care, the, 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 the family, the kid, and, and the house, as usual. But I decided to take a few days off to just rest a little bit and feel better uh, before yeah. getting back at uh it. As you should. Yeah, uh, probably. But you, you know, there's this guilt um, that I, you are feeling when you are not doing what you're supposed to, to do. Even though I know that yeah. I'm sick and I should rest, there is always this feeling of, oh, fuck, I, 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 I should be doing something. I should be productive. I should be working. I should make progress on the project, the five projects that I have. Mm -hmm. So yeah, only five. That's an improvement. Uh, yeah, I try. I try. Or, I try to oh, yeah, discipline no, your myself. Your car is not broken. No, my car is not broken. Thanks okay, for okay. it. So, so that's yeah. one less. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah. Um, I will. I will. I will get back at it next week, and and mm. hopefully I will be hundred percent in a few nice. in a few yeah. days. So yeah, so. give me time to watch a lot of stuff. Uh, 
on all the streaming platforms. So it was nice. It was nice to see that, and and it also, um, uh, yeah, it was nice and, and may, relaxing. May I just go a bit deeper onto the laziness bit? Yeah. Have Have you been feeling lazy for a long time? No, just just this week. It was just because of the sickness and yeah, yeah, or being ill now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Usually, I'm I'm the opposite of lazy. If I if I don't do something, I, I I'm it makes me drives me crazy. I I I, yeah. I need to be active. And but this this week, just this uh, lack of energy. Uh, it, it, it's kind of weird because it's not like I I I had I had something close to the flu, the man flu, a few months back, and I. The the symptom was this fatigue, deep fatigue and laziness and everything. This week I'm I'm it's just a common cold I think, but it was the worst night of my life probably. So I decided to go yeah fuck it I'm just gonna rest and I'm I'm I decided to be lazy for a few days just to allow me a little bit of of rest. Um, so yeah that's that's not something that I I do often but. I think I needed it this week. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. It's I mean, it it's kind of sad that we need a, like a really big thing to remember to take care of ourselves and have a day off yeah. or two. But it's also good to to realize that oh yeah, no. I am sick. I do deserve a bit of time off and I need it now. So, yeah. But I I mean just a month ago that was me as well like I'm sick I'm terrible yeah uh, and also lack of motivation of doing things so it's like no let me just focus on relaxing mm -hmm. for a week mm -hmm. and see if I can do that for a change it's I think it's it's very difficult in I mean I'm not gonna uh, do some bad philosophy or sociology now but oh you never do bad philosophy thank you um, just French yeah thank you. Um, but I, when people are sick, it's very uh, badly perceived by society. Like you, you are not allowed to be sick anymore. Like let's take if you go back in the past, like fifty years or a hundred years, you were sick. You were sick. You didn't go to work. That was accepted because the the work was very physical you were not able to go down the coal mine in order to do your job if you couldn't just stand so that was the thing now a lot of people not everybody but a lot of people are working in offices and they are required to come even though they are sick which is kind of insane because I, th I think and feel like that's changed with the pandemic though I, I maybe not completely really so. but yeah yeah when I was working in college and, and private school, the first question was, oh, you're sick. Do you have fever? If you don't have fever, come to work. If you have fever, yeah. don't come to work because you are contagious. So we don't want to get sick because of you. But even if you're sick, if you don't have fever, you have to show up and do, do your job, which is kind of insane because you can be properly sick and not have fever. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I don't think being sick is um, some kind of weakness and it should be allowed. Uh, anyway, what about you, Raz? Yeah. I've been working. Good. Uh, and I've nearly been feeling productive. Good. 
So yeah, did another blacksmithing class this last weekend, and then got into work on well office stuff on Monday because I can never stop apparently, mm-hmm. and then finished up the knives I've been doing, and. Yeah, also over the weekend, I finally like feel, felt like I really gotten to be good friends with the even hit kiln. Like, really figured out how it operates and how it does its thing and all of that. Nice. So I have third. No, I have twenty four knives that I have finished now that are like nice, sharp, and ready to be sent off. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few of them are going to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, a knife making and leather supply company just outside of Oslo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to fix my car first, uh, which oh. is another story. Now you have a car to fix. No, this, is, this has been going on since January. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just haven't... I picked up the car parts uh, with my mom and I have them so I can actually fix the car. Mm-hmm. I just need to organize with my friend who is a mechanic yeah, and can yeah. has all the tools and knows everything. Please do that quickly uh, because I've seen the picture. It's not safe to be on the road with your car right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, turns out... I had a broken spring in the suspension in the front. In the front, it's not broken. And it's absolutely destroyed. <laughs> y- yeah, uh, it, it's it's off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's off in every direction. Yeah, uh, and I'm not going to contemplate when that happened and if it is related to when I hauled a lot of anvils the last time or not. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, yeah, car needs to get fixed, but I've been working, making lots of progress now on the gate, which is kind of the one thing of like, yeah, I know all the things I need to be doing. I just struggle to actually complete them. Mm-hmm. One thing is like, oh yeah, I need to take apart the whole like lock assembly that was on this old gate. And everything is going splendidly until I need to take the handle off and it's stuck. Like there's, I, I can't seem to get this off. And I noticed like, oh yeah, no, no, there's a color on the outside. Let me see if I can knock that collar off, and I can't. So I start grinding at it to see if I can loosen it up, and I grind, and I see like, oh no, this collar, it is braced on. And then I go, cool, I know how to deal with this. More heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I do that, I manage to get the collar off, it falls off, and then it's still stuck. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I heat it up some more, and now I see there's a fucking crack in the hinge bolt for the handle. And then I heat it up a bit more and I look closer and I was like, no, the, the guy who assembled this, he drove a wedge into the, the, the hinge bolt. This is all steel. Okay. And that wedge also is soldered or braced in. Okay. So it's like, well, fuck all of this then. <laughs> uh, so I take the grinder and just ground it down to size to remove everything that makes the, the, the wedge ex- cause the steel to expand. And, and I managed to get it out. But it's like, you need to be really uns insecure about how you are fastening this handle if you need to not only put a collar on and instead of crimping it on or something you brace it on and then you drive a wedge in as well which destroyed the collar but it's made everything expand so much more that it's like no fucking chance this going off mm-hmm. except with oxyacetylene and an angle grinder well so that was fun safety first yeah i think there's a leather sink based paint also used so wonderful yeah, I, I wore a respirator, uh, but when you start to smell interesting things through the respirator, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I opened up the doors and I took a break and I let everything air out for a good while. I mean, I had extraction fans and all of that going, so there was a lot going on, but it's like, hmm, exciting. Was it today that you did that? No, this was Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, uh, but then I, I I've been spending time 
another funny thing, like the customer is particular, which is nice because it means I can spend more time doing things proper. In this case, it means I need to forge forge the stock that is used to make the new pickets that's going to be used because it's imperial, like inch by half, which is not sold in Norway at all. So I need to forge that, which is nice and fun and good practice to power hammer. But it also means I need to make material for all the pickets. I need just a couple of extra. So not a big deal. But I need to forge like finials, the small spare paint leafy thing on the top. And turns out that's kind of tricky when I don't have proper tooling and don't have combination dice for the power hammer. So I've made like 10 tries and I got one that is pretty identical to the originals. Nice. Yeah, except I need to forge and practice with the stock that I'm going to use so that everything stays the same. Yeah. So I can't practice with a smaller stock because then everything goes a bit off. So mm -hmm. yeah, that was my day today, just practicing making like finial bits and cursing a lot, especially when the power hammer wants to double, double tap things when I want to single tap it. Yeah. You wouldn't get yeah. that all So that's fun. Yeah, so it's, yeah, today has been one of those days where like I felt like I haven't done or accomplished anything. You did. But it's like, I, I, I know I did. But everything feels like it's just like small parts in the vast like cogwheel of progress. It doesn't feel like I've done anything yet. I just know that it is a part of the process. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it still feels frustrating. Yeah. I mean, that's so typical, though. And I know I mentioned the visual progress. Getting to a point of visual progress is what always motivates me. So similar to the trailer project I've been working on, I did 100 things with no visual progress really and i was like i know i've been working for a week why doesn't it seem like anything's gotten done that's super super frustrating i i feel that could you explain the project a little bit because i don't think you did earlier um yeah i might not have so it's for the same client that does the the fossil work that i've been doing um he had an oh, idea for people who is jumping into the podcast now you were on our episode 55, I believe. So the entire backstory and the fossil stuff you okay. can find back I'll, then. I'll try and keep it brief then. Yeah, no worries. But no I, have worries. A, I have a client that's a fossil collector. He's been doing it all of his life. And he also kind of does side hustle projects. And they renovated a giant boat a couple of years ago. Him and, and like a little board of, of people. And one of their projects uh, that they were thinking about last year was getting a fleet of Airstreams which is totally just for the flex of it. I was talking to, I tried to give him options. I was like, you know, those are kind of expensive. What if we just bought one of these box trucks and, and made it work? Then it runs and it drives itself and there's no trailer. And they were like, no, we really want these Airstreams. So we sourced a, as inexpensive as I could possibly find one because they're still just so popular over here for a bunch of people that doll them up and live that van life. They are really cool, though. They are really cool. I've just I've never really worked with aluminium before, and it's that was a struggle to get into and just understand how it worked. Um, but yeah, it was effectively gutted when we got it. But it's been sitting. the The previous owner had it sitting, and they were planning on renovating it. They never did. I don't know how long he had it, and I don't know how long it sat before that. But there was nothing in it furniture or equipment wise and so a full gut needed to happen right and it was just thinking out what we needed to do this is supposed to be a mobile workshop like maker shop cool. so that we can do 
little events or classes or people can work out of there, build small things or take all the tools and throw them outside if you're parked for a few days and work on That's projects. Really cool. Yeah, it's it's a super fun project, but having never done it before, um, it's been a series of can I figure this out and problem solving, uh, which I'm always really intrigued by, right? I love a new challenge, but this thing has to be roadworthy. It's different than building you know, a piece of furniture for your shop or some tooling yeah. or something like that for some project you're working on. This has to not only function, uh, as a space with tools being held in it, which is like anybody that's ever built a workshop, that's not necessarily rocket science. The kicker is that this thing has to move yeah. and mm-hmm. not fall apart. And there's electronics and lights have to work and you have to be able to be on the road with turn signals working correctly so that you don't get pulled over by the police. So there's a certain amount of stress that goes into it of just like if it was just meant to sat or to sit somewhere, it would be a very different project. But this has to be roadworthy, waterproof or effectively watertight. And then just a ton of remaking or renovating or whatever you want to call it. Just stuff that was falling apart, things that had holes in it, checking on the frame, completely gutting out the interior and the floor, finding linoleum tile from the 1960s underneath oh, three wow. layers of carpet and bullshit because oh. they they did what everybody did back then i don't know if this is the same in europe i feel like it probably is but you just oh yeah you would acquire a new thing if it was a house or a car or something like that and then you just kind of cover everything that existed before yeah. it so there's 15 yeah. layers of wallpaper and then people were like we don't like wallpaper anymore so then they just paint the wallpaper yep mm-hmm and suddenly, suddenly the whole room is like a meter smaller in each direction. <laughs> exactly. And that was it. You know, these things are restricted sizes. Like they exist as a size. So I really wanted to be mindful of, well, listen, let's not just layer everything in inward, which is mm. if you look at the, it's a 1964 Airstream. And if you look at the photos or the layouts of them, there was so little space because these were meant to be like a mobile mobile home. So there was a bed and a bathroom and a kitchen and all these other things going on. There was really just this tiny walkway to get into all of your compartments. And we just made the decision like, fuck all that. And we're going to make mm-hmm. it cool in this workshop. And so I'm doing minimal design work and like trying to utilize the open space to make it feel uh, more utility, right? Like you can actually move around yeah. in there. Now you can't cut. I'm sorry, I'm going to go with American. Uh, measurements, but it's only 86, give you. 86 inches wide. So nothing can be wider than that if you want to be able to turn around. <laughs> it's the only yeah. restriction that you really have. It's eight meters long, so you got plenty of length, but whether or not you can get it out of the door, uh, I guess that would be on whoever's trying to make something inside of it. Anyway, that's been an amazing mm-hmm. project, but yes, going back to what you were saying, the amount of work that I had to do just to gut it get down into the gritty bits, take all the insulation out and everything. That was like a month and a half with zero visual progress, working every day, like 10 hour days. And then just going, I don't, I don't feel like I've gotten anything done. <laughs> I've taken trash bags out, I guess. That's the kind of project where if you, even though you don't have visual progress to uh, like see on a daily basis at the end of the day, at the end of the week, all the work that you are doing right now we'll pay off when 
it's finally done because yeah. you could you could be working for one or two weeks see a lot of progress because you are doing whatever in the inside or the outside of the airstream but then at the end you couldn't take it on the road and you'd be fucked you because the prep work that you are doing right now wouldn't have been done and i, I i'm not clear i know that i'm it's it, I, I can't make myself clear tonight but um this you mean more than tonight? More, more than usual yeah oh, okay. um yeah the this kind of prep work is essential in order to go to the next step that will be the work where you see progress on a daily basis that that's right. kind of right. what i mean i mean yeah. Plus, it's, it's probably your first time working on a airstream on doing that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, I've never, never done a project like this before. And even over the last couple of years doing vehicle work, like getting my truck back in order because it's getting kind of old. All, all of that was new to me. Mm -hmm. I learned a little bit working on the truck. I didn't know anything about electrical inside the trailer, but I knew that all the wiring was bad. Um. So yeah, there's been a lot of firsts on this and it's it's been a really nice learning experience because now I do feel like I'm capable of looking at automotive wiring and although wiring harnesses are pretty complex if you tear out a dashboard, as far as trailers go, I think I'm I think I'm pretty good, pretty solid. <laughs> I've looked at so many diagrams, I've had nightmares about them. I was having fever dreams. <laughs> Your geometric weird nightmares that you were having read, I was just having ones about wire monsters and <laughs> things yeah. lighting on fire while I'm driving down the road. You should come and help my neighbors because they have been working on on this van for their van for probably more than a month trying to. I, I'm I'm not sure honestly what they are trying to do inside this van, but because you're French and don't talk to them. Uh, yeah, first of all, well, I tried <laughs> by in, every time that I I I take my car and and drive to fetch the kid at, at school, I try to look at them and say hello, but they they never answer and they never they they don't look at me because I don't know maybe I scare them, which is. Could be a nice reason or a good one. But anyway, they are working on this van, mm. which, first of all, is fucking green, which makes no sense to me uh, that you <laughs> you would buy a, that kind of green van. Um, it's not a kind of cute van that Caro has. It's like the very bulky working van that everybody has here. And they are trying to put insulation in it and flooring and like probably turn it into a van um, that they can use to go camping during the weekend. Right. But for the past months, I've I've seen them building the inside, take everything off the van, or putting another whatever they are putting inside and taking it taking it apart a second time and a third time. So I was I was kind of. I don't know what even I don't even know what what my feeling was, but I was I was kind damn they they are so motivated and they are so into that kind of um, it, it's not even a renovation at this point it's like uh, turning turning this utility conversion yeah conversion well, I think would be the 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 perfect word um, conversion of this utility van into a camping van 
they are really motivated because they are working on this thing from very early in the morning, morning till very late at night every mm. single day. But clearly, it's their first time doing it, and and they are. I'm not sure they really know what they are doing because otherwise, it it it, it wouldn't be the third time or fourth time that they have to take everything off and on again. Mm-hmm. So that plus what I did last week, actually, because I forgot to mention that, but last week mm. I, I took the kid. Uh, no, no, that's not true. My wife took me and the kid to the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, right. that's more uh, correct. What did you see? Uh, we went to see the final match for the Women Six Nation Tournament. So it was Wales against France. And it was great. In some hand egg kind of thing? Yeah, rugby, uh, okay. hand egg thing. Uh, and it was great. It was it was a wonderful uh, game. Uh, France won. Uh, and, and it was very interesting to see. And, and I'm mentioning that because it was my first time going to the stadium to see a rugby, uh, rugby game, rugby match. I've been to stadiums in the past to see baseball games with a lot of people, but that was the first time. And that and seeing the neighbors working on that van made me think of our first times. Mm. Because... Hashtag segue. Hashtag segue. Um, it, <laughs> it, it made me realize... I did say hashtag van life earlier and I was, I was mad at myself for remembering that too late. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Um, Ish. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> it, it, it made me think about our, our first times because before going to, uh, to the stadium, um, I felt the responsibility to be, to uh, this, the, the responsibility of keeping my wife and my kids safe. Um, I don't know how it, it is in your countries, guys, but in France, going to the stadium is kind of a risk because you can still, uh, first of all, beer is is available available to anyone uh, anytime uh, outside and inside the stadium. So you usually see a few uh, drunk supporters uh, during the day or during the game, and especially after it. Plus, we have all heard about the hooligan problem that mm-hmm. uh, football have. Um, so I was kind of scared is not the word but i was kind of anxious to mm. um to see how it will go and will i be able to uh, to protect my wife and my kid if something happens and turns out that when you go to see rugby first of all the, the it's very different uh, compared to soccer the the people going to the stadium are much more passionate uh, than i was expecting them to be plus uh they don't get drunk easily because they are because they have lots of practice they have a lot of practice and they are rugby <laughs> fan and rugby fans are are very strong at drinking beer um beers plus they are really friendly so all these this anxiety that i had before going uh, i i i realized at the end of the game when we were driving home that it was completely useless i i didn't have to worry that much because all those people in the stadium were there for the same thing, which was just cheering uh, for for the yeah. team, and they were not looking at 
troubles or trying to fight anyone. So this anxiety was was totally um, unnecessary. But it reminded me that I had the same kind of anxiety the first time I was standing in front of a table saw. Like for years, I've been watching YouTube videos, seeing all these cool American guys cutting stuff very easily on their table saw. And I was like, oh, that that would be a nice tool to have. It could save me a lot of troubles and a lot of time to make the stuff that I want to make. So I bought one. And the first day I was standing in front of my table saw, I was fucking scared because it's a dangerous Mm -hmm. tool to have. Yeah. So it reminded me all of that and seeing my neighbors walking on a van, not really knowing what they are doing uh, because it's probably their first time. I was like wondering, how is it for you when we are doing on a, on, on a project for the first time? How is it for you when you are trying your hands at, at new skills that you have never tried before? Do you feel this anxiety? Do you feel scared? Do you feel excited? Because th- I think there is always this excitement because otherwise you wouldn't try it but yeah i was just wondering how is how it is for you so just talking about your first time yes to all of the above yep okay brett oh you want me to take this (laughs) i mean if you want fair enough well it has become uh, a pretty typical aspect of my adult life i didn't i definitely didn't realize uh, when I was younger, that something that's a big driving force for whatever my career was at the time, uh, a lot of it was problem solving, right? And I used to be, I, I've talked about it in, in some other episodes and some other podcasts and stuff, but uh, I had a teacher in school that I really liked and she, we had this kind of special class with her and she would always challenge us with lateral thinking problems or a lot of really intense problem solving just to kind of get our brains working. And then we would go into whatever the work for the day was. So even at an earlier age, I thrived on that. I, I wanted to figure out the answer to the question or how to solve whatever problem was put in front of me. And then it just became that over and over again. And I never really paid attention to it. But I think there is a skill or at least there's a personality type that thrives on accepting a new challenge or taking that first step into whatever the thing that they're working on is. Mm-hmm. And I think you, I, I genuinely think it can be said for like all aspects of life. Red, you having a kid, right? That was a new thing. It was a new responsibility. It was a challenge. Everything oh, yeah. about having a child, although I don't have any, seems like a huge challenge and a lot of intimidation, a lot of anxiety. And that would, confuse the shit out of me because it's like building a machine that you don't really have any control over <laughs> that's that's true that's but it's completely very, true it's very different um you know just bringing up the trailer is the example again i feel like a lot of what i've done over the last let's say 10 years has been focusing on where my strengths are and a lot of it is accepting a new challenge or being able to take on a challenge whether i'm i set it for myself or it's put in front of me by somebody else and being able to thrive off of that. Yes, I will make mistakes. Yes, I don't. Uh, I will learn things and I probably don't know everything that I'm getting into, but I am, I have become very good at figuring shit out and solving the problems and taking it one step at a time and not looking at the 
the entirety of a project, right? This trailer thing, I, I think the the biggest little check mark that I have to give myself on this is I looked at it and went, there's a thousand things to do. And I hate that. I can't look at a project and go, there's a thousand things because I'll just think about the thousand things. But for the first time in my life, I went, yeah, so let's start with number one. And I yeah. just haven't yeah. stopped. And I have a running list, a uh, running to-do list on it. But like, I just, I don't check it all the time. I'll go in there and mark stuff off because I love crossing lines off or making lists and checking things off. That's all I do now. I just wrote out everything. I forced myself to write the entire list down of what I thought I was getting into. And now I just get to go in there and like check lines off. And it's fantastic. But I do that on pretty much every project. Uh, and I, I know I've been taking a, a large break from socials and not really sharing a lot. But the amount of stuff that I got into working on this house, too. Never done house wiring. Never built anything for a house. Never really made furniture. Well, I did all of it, and I screwed up a bunch of things, and then I got better at it, and now I'm at the point where I can look at scalability, which is a term that gets used in business and marketing all the time, but if you can attack a smaller problem and you gain confidence in that, and you have a challenge that you overcome, can you find a way to equate that to whatever the next thing is that may be bigger and, mm -hmm. and would be intimidating to you prior but now you can look at it and go, well, I've already done that on a smaller scale. This is really just that with, I don't know, 10 more line items on it. Okay. Yeah. Then you hit that one and you're like, well, now I could probably accept 30 line items on that. Like, fuck it. Let's just keep mm -hmm. moving forward. So yeah. the trailer was just, it's sheet metal and some wires. And then I'm going to build some stuff. It's nothing that I haven't done before, but it's putting it all together to function properly. But I've done so much of that up to this point. Uh, in smaller scale that this is just a scale up version working on the house just means if i get a bigger house in the future then it's like well fuck it yeah i've already done wiring on a smaller scale pick something easy to learn on maybe <laughs> i don't know that it was <laughs> the smartest idea for me to jump into this stuff over the last couple of years but i will say that because the house is so small um it it did help with the scale, right? There's only so many power outlets on the wall. There's only so much square footage to this place, so everything's relatively easy, easy to control. Plumbing was very easy because I just ripped holes in yeah. the walls and put it all in myself. So now I know where everything is. Mm. You're not buying a house from the 70s where everything's buried behind the walls and maybe it's copper pipe, maybe it's lead pipe. Who knows? Yeah. Red, you even getting internet, right? Where you're in a building... And like, you don't get to control that. You could problem solve it as much as you possibly can. Yeah. But then if you ever have to deal with this again in the future, you know the steps and processes that need to be done to get this thing. Yeah. yeah. And maybe in the future, you're just making better friends with your neighbors so that you can drill holes through their walls. Yeah, but, uh, maybe. <laughs> this is all a big uh, roundabout way of saying the, the first talks that we've had uh, multiple times with people in the maker community specifically, it does seem like there's a certain personality type that I've become aware of that is able to take a smaller scale project that's a talent or that's a challenge and then consistently scale up from there, gaining more confidence in themselves, being able to tackle more and accept more challenges in the future without feeling like you're getting stunted. Some people find that comfort zone and they just stay there. Yeah, And, and yeah. that can be fine, like no judgment. But if that's where you go, this is my comfort level. I don't want to accept any more over this. I've got enough going on.
So be it. Awesome. I hope you thrive in that. I am a person that will constantly, and it has been shown over the last 15 years of my life, I just outgrow whatever the thing is. I'm just like, next challenge, next adventure. Let's go bigger, better this time. Let's go try harder. It clearly feels like you you are not scared uh, by this trailer renovation transformation project that you, that's going on for you. Do you still get a little bit anxious that this new project will go on the road one day? And and because I believe that like in every country it has to be up to code, it has to be like safe or world worthy. Uh, um, it's America. Safe is relative. Yeah, I've it seen is, so many US shows yeah. where they take cars and do whatever the fuck they want to do with it. And they're like, no, it can't go on the road now because it's not up to code. And you learn that the code is like very different in any state in the US compared yeah. to what we have in Europe. So, But do you do you feel this anxiety that you're building a thing that will, that will be on the road and, and could cause trouble if you are wrong? I'm not trying to put pressure on you just trying to understand if if this you have this awareness of this aspect of the project yeah i think there's an inherent um there's there's an inherent uh, anxiety that goes along with that right anything that's going to be put out in public and and mm -hmm. again i'll talk about scale but scale that down to like rasmus making knives Somebody's going to use that. Are they going to hurt themselves? Is it going to break? Whatever. I had the same thing when I sold my first knife. Like, oh, but there is a responsibility being behind selling a knife because they can do whatever they want with it. And, yeah. and that's the thing that I've made. And I, But very quickly, I was like, yeah, fuck it. They can kill someone with a spoon if they want. So, yeah. Yeah, Sorry, they really I can. <laughs> so this ends up being just, again, it's the scale that I keep talking about. Whoever's going to be driving this thing, it's, it's the knife, right? If you give somebody a knife who's like going to kill people and try and use yeah. it for bad reasons, you made the thing and you made it well, but like you can't really accept if they do something terrible with it. I have rebuilt this trailer from effectively the ground up without actually lifting the shell off or anything. So I checked all of the framing and all of the chassis underneath uh, to make sure that there were no holes or, or rotted out spots. So... Everything that I've been able to make a visual uh, note of and say that doesn't look safe or that looks bad or something's rusty or the galvanic corrosion, which I did not really understand what oh, yeah. that was. But all these places that the previous owners would shoot steel through aluminum and then it would attach to steel and everything's corroded out. Filling holes, patching things, making sure it's watertight. All of that, it's like. At a certain point, I can only do so much with the skill set that I have. And then this will get passed on to somebody to drive it around. Mm -hmm. And like, I already plan on calling my client and going, I'm not moving this thing. Because I've driven some small trailers around very mm -hmm. few times. And I'm not even really that good with those. So I need somebody to come and get this thing because I don't want to drive it. And it's not because I deem it unsafe. I'm doing everything to up the safety of this and reinforcing aspects of it, fixing everything that I possibly can. And whoever I pass this on to, if they're a good enough driver, hopefully it ends up at its its next uh, you know, sitting point. The hey, challenge that the main challenge that you're talking about of like, am I scared that it's gonna have to go on the road and hopefully not hurt people? 
mm-hmm. I luck out with the fact that there's no engine in it and there are very few things that go wrong when you're just towing a trailer. Yeah. And so like if your truck is big enough to pull it and your mm-hmm. brakes are good. Yeah. It's on you to drive this thing safety safely through traffic and do everything else. The main thing is just getting the lights to work. If your turn signal doesn't come on and somebody runs into the back of you and it causes chaos, at least I know I did my job, yeah. right? I think, what was it? Laura said something like that. Like, it won't fail because of me was something yeah. she put a couple yeah. years ago. I will, I've held on to that for a long time. Like, if I'm set to build something or fix something or make changes to my house, it will not fail because of me. I will over-engineer it. I will mm-hmm. overdo the work probably that what the typical person would do uh, that maybe has it as a full-time job. And they're like, I meant to just get this done and get it out of here. It's good enough. I don't really like good enough when it's under my control. Mm-hmm. I want it to be the yeah. best that I can make it be. Yeah. A quick question. Is the trailer like structurally speaking only sheet metal or is there ribs in it to reinforce and something like that? So it's, you have the steel chassis, um, yeah. And then that's where your axle and everything is connected to. And then there's... Yes. Um, think of it like studding right inside of your walls. But there are mm. uh, perpendicular al- aluminum ribbing uh, that makes the shape of it or whatever. And that's where the exterior right. skin is riveted to. And then the interior is like an inch and a half. I don't know what that is in millimeters, but it's an inch and a half. Uh, 30 something mil 35 mil there you go inch and a half ribbing and then your interior skin gets riveted into the ribbing so it really like it just becomes more structurally sound the more shit that you have riveted together okay Mm -hmm. once i took the interior out i could push on the exterior walls and like oh stuff like moves around a little bit (laughs) but Mm. yeah it it all kind of gets locked down it's really intriguing actually to to get into the guts of this thing and realize it's really it's really very mechanically cool or engineering wise cool how they figured out how to do this where it's relatively light as trailers this size go because it's all aluminum but uh there are restrictions at the same time right like i would love to be able to weld to the walls and just make things yeah. like dead square and straight but i can't do that i feel that helps a lot like when everybody comes to these first things is like just break it down into the smallest practical components because it helps you understand like how it functions and where your safety is or what kind of margins you operate with and all of that. But of course, when at least for me, when it comes to cars, it's like, no, that's a magical box that that spews out exhaust and goes forward. I have no fucking clue what's going on, except there's continuous explosions going on inside (laughs) this hunk of metal. I mean, that's how a car is in my mind. And it's like, I know there are smaller components. I know there are X number of interlocking systems that makes the car work and make it work safely. And I like various different parts of those can fail without it actually being a safety risk. But when too many of them or the critical parts do, then things start to go shady. But even then, it's like the engine might still go turn over, the wheels might still spin and you might be able to steer it. It it might just not be safe or not comfortable to drive. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I have no like 
inherent conceptual knowledge of how it looks and functions the inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm getting familiar with a power hammer in that sense, because I, uh, which is also something that happened. I, I had a, a good friend of mine come down from uh, Hamad area and have a look at the power hammer and like took over off a few covers and showed me sort of the innards of it and said like, yeah, like remember to grease these bits like every one, once a month and something like that and care of this, this thing or wears out and did like a lot of that. And suddenly it's like, no, okay. Now I suddenly have a lot more of a mental image on how a power hammer looks on the inside, mm. like way more than I had before, even though I watched a hell of a lot of YouTube videos, especially Will Stelters of fixing various power hammers that seems to break every other week apparently with that guy uh <laughs> but yeah it's, it's one of those things where at least for me just having that peak on the inside seems to help a lot yeah i i agree with that and to bring it into the the stuff that we do like the making mm. aspects i think this is where i've had some conversations with other people about complexity versus confidence or complexity being some gauge for how good a piece of work is, right? Red, when you're working on leather, mm. almost every tool that you use is mechanically simple, mm-hmm. right? That's not in a condescending way. It's just if you have a knife and you're cutting leather, it is a one-to-one operation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. if you add a sewing machine to that, a leather stitching machine, things can mm. get a little bit more complex. There's... yeah changes and variations that you can do to the machine that will give you a different output stitching wise and what it can handle. So you start learning those, um, those options and those variables as that scales up. I, I feel like there's some weird nebulous zone where complexity does not necessarily equal quality mm-hmm. and confidence in knowing a lot of things this goes to the personal side of it like knowing a lot of shit does not make you smart yeah yeah so there's this weird balance that having these conversations with people i mean hell think about pattern weld or damascus stuff whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. if you can make a knife that has twists and colors and all kinds of stuff whatever does it work at the end is it comfortable does it feel good whatever there's going to be a gauge in there or there's going to be a, an attitude that's attached to that of like, well, it was really complex and it took me 400 hours to make this knife. Cool. Rasmus, how's your mono steel or your, or your sand, my stuff working like as good just doesn't yeah. look the same. Was it easier to make? Does that take the value out of it? Does your knowledge of the steel and your, your execution of the process make it less valuable than the person that spent 200 or 300 hours doing something? It's not like you know less than they do. You probably know more than they do. But inherently, we are looked at or perceived as, uh, well, you aren't confident enough to try Damascus. Or, Red, I can't believe you don't have 15 different stitching machines and able to do ornate saddle work and saddlery and all these oh, kind of things. Oh, they're coming. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want this, this whole first idea, I feel like yeah. sometimes gets attached to complexity, right? Or confidence in the complexity of the thing. So yes. it is easy to, to start simpler or with more mechanically simple tools yeah. or equipment. And then, like I said a minute ago, maybe there's a a plateau that some people hit that they go, this is enough for me. And then they Mm -hmm. just execute and refine and become 
insanely confident on whatever that plateau is. And then there's people that like overshoot it and go for the moon. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be better or that you should trust in their confidence because it's it's probably just a lot of cockiness. And like, I know a lot about a lot of things yeah. and I look at all the shit that I've got. Well, it doesn't necessarily make me trust you anymore. The guy yeah. that tells me he can start a truck, going back to the vehicle thing, he can start a truck that's been sitting in the woods for 60 years with a jar of peanut butter and like a spark. <laughs> that's the guy I want to tell me how to fix my truck, not necessarily the dude down yeah. the road that has $15,000 worth of, oh, oh, whatever, OEM parts and equipment and things like that to do mm. computer analyses of things. You're like, yeah. yeah, but what if the spring goes bad? Do you know how to change the hydraulic or change the leaf spring on my truck? Well, we'll probably order a new part, then put you up on a jack lift, and then we'll charge you $6,000. And then there's the other guy that's like, give me a two by four in like 30 minutes. <laughs> I want that guy yeah. to teach me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, that reminds me. Uh, in, in the army, we had one of those like hell week things. And a part of that was like a lot of team building exercises and shit going on. And we actually had one challenge where we were supposed to change the tires on a Jeep well, not a Jeep, a uh, Geländewagen, basically. Uh, it's, it's same shit, different wrapping. Troop transport, simple thing, like runs on like cooking oil if you really want it to, mm. that kind of shit. Uh, but, but we had like, here's a pile of logs, here's the tires, figure this shit out. Mm. And we had to prop the car up and hold it at an angle with the logs and then other people were taking the tires off and fitting the new ones on and then we walked run around to the other car other side of the car the car and did the same thing on that side so it's like yeah i mean i absolutely believe the guy who says he can fix something with a two by four and a jar of peanut butter because uh, to some extent you probably can that's the real problem solving skill that that we all kind of have or need to develop because when you are stuck yeah. with without the proper tools or without the proper um parts that you need to change you have to figure something out and you are we have to MacGyver it, as we say in France. Like mm -hmm. you, you have to find a solution. And um, two things about what, what you said, but I'm, I'm really happy that you said it because that's the discussion we had with uh, Jan off podcast last week. Like uh, knowing a lot of shit doesn't make you necessarily smart. And the other way around as well, you can be very smart and not not know a lot about everything or anything or one specific in yeah. uh, domain I mean, or I'm, field. I met terribly intelligent people that are just too lazy to think yeah yeah i mean in, in when i was working and uh, teaching in college i all the people i was i was working with at phd they were doctors some were absolutely dumbasses i mean they, they were stupid <laughs> people like with beliefs that you you wouldn't believe i mean yeah i'm i'm not gonna take too much time to talk about that but the, the, the knowledge doesn't necessarily means to be smart but what's really important to me is that you can be very smart in any kind of the nine um type of smartness that exists it, it's actually uh, been uh, explained by uh, harvard university in 1986 i believe there is not one kind sure. of smartness but nine <laughs> anyway um you can be very smart 
but but not know a lot about stuff like as you said if if one guy can start up a car that's been sitting in the forest for 70 years with a a jar of peanut butter yeah sure show me i want to know how you do you have that kind of knowledge of skill and 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 you are smart that way doesn't mean that that guy can can fix any car uh in and any part of any car but he can do that and if that's the skill that is required at that time that's the most valuable one um you, you talked a little bit about about leather working i have my sewing machine uh, the first thing I did when I bought this machine is to take it apart. I wanted to know and I wanted to understand how it works. I wanted to be able to fix it. I wanted to be able to tune it uh, depending on my needs because you have to uh, yeah, set up the, the thickness of the leather and hence the uh, height of the, the pointy thing the needle. sticky part ne needle? needle thank you uh, <laughs> damn i'm tired um but turns out that since i bought the machine i haven't used that much uh because i i tr when i need to stitch something i trust my um hand stitching skills more than my machine using skills if that makes sense yes. like i know that when i stitch by hand it will uh, it will stay the way I I made it for years and years. If I if I don't tune or set up the machine correctly, it will it will it can can fall apart in like two months, and I don't want that mm. for myself or my clients. So you you don't have to shoot for the star every single time. You can just uh, be proud of the skills that you have that you have developed over time, and and be happy with it and do wonderful stuff. Mm -hmm. I think this is that's such an important aspect of I, I feel like when we started this conversation, it was like, oh, what were your first likes or how did you how did you get into your first things? This has become more existential about uh, personal growth. I, th and, I think I think we are very existential human beings. Well, I <laughs> honestly, I've been on such a kick for the last few months of just like, what does it all mean? And let's move forward and forward progress, good attitudes, all those things. Right. Sharing community connection, all the good human things. Oh yeah, and I nah, I know that sucks. Been, yeah, we've been Sorry. making analogies <laughs> to to machines in the making world, but really, I think this is a skill that uh, I don't want to be the late thirties guy going, "Ooh, young kids these days." But the more people I meet, that I realize they're really good at problem solving, or they don't get intimidated when a mm -hmm. challenge hits them. I feel like that's less and less, right? There's more reliance on the technology. There's more ways to distract yourself. And we're all aware of that, right? We all know mm -hmm. that all this shit's going on and you got to keep your kid read. You got to keep your kid moving forward and not just getting buried in the video games all day. Same thing mm -hmm. my parents were thinking when I was young, sitting on the Super Nintendo for 40 hours. But I want to know that there are people willing to challenge themselves it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be an exterior influence uh as a driving force right if if you do making as a hobby or you're doing it on the weekends and you're comfortable in your workshop you have a handful of tools you know how to make some stuff great can you give yourself a challenge every now and then of maybe it's not something in your workshop if you have housework to do maybe don't hire somebody 
Unless it's completely crucial, but just like see if you can. Because what's the worst thing that could happen? If something's already broken, you can't necessarily break it more. Yeah, you could get yeah. laughed at if you call a plumber after a week and go, well, you know, I tried some stuff, but clearly I'm not good at this. I will happily pay you because I fucked up and I tried to learn. But it's a different thing entirely where you start to just accumulate those skills mm-hmm. and and gain that confidence and forward progress of not feeling that stagnation, not feeling like you've hit a plateau and you're like, well, I don't have enough time to learn a foreign language. No. Fuck that. Make friends with Red. Start learning Japanese. Yeah, have, I give oh, lessons. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know I've, heard, I've heard you talk about it plenty. But I, I want to know that these projects, I'm not looking at them as a material possession that will exist or, or that mm-hmm. I'm creating a material thing that just goes out in the world. I want to know that if I'm lucky enough to do this full time going forward, it's every project is a new challenge, something new to learn and grow my skills in. And then hopefully the person that receives that thing, because most of my stuff is client work now, understands and appreciate the work that went into it. Hopefully it's something unique. Mm-hmm. And then I can go, right, collect those skills, take a mental note of everything that I screwed up on. If we have to do that going forward, great. What's my new thing with aluminum? Don't cut your head open on like day two, nope. right? Protect nope. yourself from sheet metal because it hurts really bad and scars you yeah, for yeah. life. But now Literally. trailer wiring. <laughs> I had a, our friend Ben was nice enough to share his knowledge uh, with me as I was going through that, you know, long patron of mine. And he's, I know how to do that. Let's go. And he talked, talked with me through it for, I don't know, a couple of days in a row and we got it done. And then I turned all the lights on. I was like, holy shit. I mean, again, not rocket science, but I was massively intimidated by that. Yeah. Now, the next one that comes my way, I will still have some intimidation because it'll more than likely be more complex than what I did. But at least I have a starting point, a stepping yeah. stone to get to whatever those next things are. I, I think it is. I, you said something really uh, important, I feel like, Red. It's impossible for you to know everything about everything. Yeah. Like You could know the internal guts of your sewing machine so intimately that you know how to fix it anytime it screws up. But I highly doubt that a month from now you're going to go, I'm getting into brain surgery and I'm really interested in how all of this works. I could. You can't really, you you could, (laughs) but maybe you don't tack that on to, yeah, you don't necessarily tack that on to the rest of your life goals, right? No, no, You have going on with your family and your clients and everything. Raz, I feel like you're at the beginning still in the beginnings of a ridiculous adventure for whatever the fuck your life is going to be. And you're, yeah. you're very passionate <laughs> about learning and trying new things and you, you accept the fuck ups and you even shared them, you know, when you were sharing the little uh, fence post things this morning on your Instagram, it's like, Hey, that's a guy that I look at and I go, he's a good blacksmith. He's still screwing it up and he's still practicing. Mm. And then you'll probably nail it or figure out some tooling and go, cool. Next time I got to do that. Easy. Boom. Yeah. Forward. And also, like, I, I I know this is something I should be able to do in one heat. Currently, it takes oh, me you're just challenging three heats and like I still fuck up half the time. So it's like, I mean, thank you, though. Uh, but also, I, I, it's not like I beat myself up over it a lot. But it's also important to realize, no, I need to learn this. There is steps to figuring out how this works. What about the and people then that do doing beat themselves up, though? There's plenty of people that beat themselves up when they don't achieve it the first time. They shouldn't. 
I mean, I, I do Explain. that too. Like, what what should they do? No, I, I I do that too. I definitely do that as well. But it's, I think it only comes from false expectations, either in my own ability or I don't know how complicated this actually is. And usually it's like, oh fuck, yeah, I, I it's a Dunning Kruger effect. I thought I knew shit. I didn't know. <laughs> And and all or other time it's like no I I know how to start and I know how it wanted to look in in the end, but then I realized along the way that oh fuck there's fifteen sixteen steps in here I have no fucking clue about, and then you have to step back and go okay what's this like the minimum viable product of this like how can I dial this back to make it achievable, and then layer on the details to get where I want to be later on. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But that that also, not in a bad way, there's a certain degree of stubbornness that goes into that. Like, even if you fail the first oh, yeah. time and kind of beat yourself up, you have the gumption to come back and try it again or, or keep trying to achieve it. Red, I, yes. I'd love to hear. I, I'm genuinely asking. I, I feel like there there isn't an, a specific answer to this. But what do you tell the people that do beat themselves up or stop themselves from trying something because failure is too hard on them so they just don't even start mm. I've, I've been there i've done that i know it's useless i mean you, you i remember i was mentioning that at the beginning of the uh, of the podcast i was scared the first day i was standing in front of my newly bought table so um and and i stood there for a few minutes and i was like yeah that's a scary tool i i, I wanted it i and i have it but that's scary just imagine if I fall over the thing when the blade is out and, and turning, spinning. Um, I, I, I would give myself. It would be very interesting for the people watching, but it would be not fun for me. I mean, you wouldn't worry for too long. No, but it would be like uh, painful for at least five minutes. So I, I was like, damn, uh, I have to be careful. Uh, careful, not careful. <laughs> I have to be careful. Careful. Uh, no, I like scared. this term. <laughs> you know, honestly, I like that. Scared yes, and careful. You, yeah, you, but, but like, uh, sorry. Like, it's a good thing to be anxious about some things. Yeah, yeah, my my point exactly. You need, I, I... I stood there for five minutes and then i was like yeah fuck it i wanted it i'm gonna do it i'm gonna try it because that's that's what i want i have to just be aware that it's a dangerous tool i just have to be aware of all the safety rules advice that i've heard uh seen and and learned watching youtube videos for so long i have to be um I have to trust the skills that I already have concerning that tool, even though it will be my first time using it. It, I, I, I know it's a little bit abstract; doesn't really make sense. But I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that if you, it's, it's, it's called migaku in Japanese, like learning by watching. Uh, mm. You do that a lot in, in martial arts. Like you watching a YouTube video you will teach you a lot of things. Even though you're, it's not a practical experience, you will learn the steps. You will learn some of the, the, the tools and products that you will need for the specific project. You will learn how to use it. And then the experience 
of you using them will come the day you give it a try. Mm -hmm. But this knowledge, this theoretical knowledge, you already have and you will put it to use. So that's exactly what I did. And I realized that just being scared of trying was useless because if you are cautious about, about the thing that you are doing, if you are aware that there is danger, if you are um if if you recognize the skills that you already have by just watching those videos or what you've been told by people who know better who know more than you you already have that kind of little core of knowledge and skills that can expand with time and practice so you don't have to be afraid of doing anything really i'm i'm mostly scared or intimidated you should be afraid of something uh, yeah, spiders because they're fucking bitches. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, like you should be afraid of some things. I mean, uh, especially when it comes to like spinny wheels of death, like yeah, a table no, saw. Absolutely, yeah. You should be afraid of the part that can literally like sever limbs and tear you to pieces. Yeah, yeah, just be, because that's a healthy fear. Yeah, just be be scared. Be scared of the tools. Power tools are always dangerous. If if you buy some something. And there is a 50-page manual about safety coming with it. You you just you should be scared and, and careful about that thing. So that that's for sure. How big is the owner's manual for children? Oh fuck, it's endless. Um I mean it's a, <laughs> like you they see just the... keep adding pages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it at at least at the very beginning. For the first two years, it's like a lot of pages. After that, yep, yes. Just feed them and keep them alive, and that's that's okay. They they, they will manage on their own. I'm I'm almost at that point where is is. Oh no, I'm, I have. I've, Here's a knife. Good luck. Um, almost, almost. But yeah. I have I have the greatest kid on earth. I mean, I'm I'm not worried for him because he's very easy to to leave kind of kid. Yeah. Send him to Norway. Oh, you'll see. <laughs> no, but um, one point that I was trying to make is that I, I realized that my anxiety that I have now for the first times is more towards my kids and my family than towards myself. I, I don't know if it's um, wisdom. I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's... Um, uh, self... Uh, um, Selflessness? Um, no, uh, I was I was going for another world, but I'm 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 trying to figure that out to okay. search it. It's um, we'll have a round of charades after <laughs> the podcast to figure it out. Um, you know when you when you are uh, self awareness or, so, or yeah, confidence. No, no, it was okay. confidence. Okay. I, I, I thought it was trying <laughs> starting by self. It was not so confidence. Um, but I I don't feel that anxious or scared trying new stuff when it's all all uh, only me trying something mm -hmm. like trying a new skill uh, a new tool when when it comes to making like as you said Brett when you were renovating the the house I did the same thing for my apartment I had to do plumbing I had to do electricity. For the first time, I had to to rebuild the some walls. I had to do the flooring and and on and on and on. It was my first time, but it was a no brainer. I, I I had to do it, so I didn't have the time to be scared, intimidated, intimidated, or whatever. It needed to be done for us to move into the apartment. So it was like, yeah, of course, I'm gonna do it. I will I will learn the skills. I will buy the proper tools. I will learn how to to use them, 
I will get to the end of the thing. My goal is to be in that house uh, beginning of June. I will do whatever needs to be done. June what year? Last year. Oh, okay. So, sorry. so mission accomplished. The the only thing now is that I'm anxious about my abilities to do what what needs to be done f for my family and not for myself. When it mm -hmm. comes to making, I will give a try to anything to without being scared or anxious or afraid or whatever. Because as you said, Brett, small stuff you can scale it up. And it will work because you know how it works already. Mm -hmm. I think the the only caveat to what you were saying would be um, a lot of people thrive under that pressure, right? Like this has to get done. Mm. So it's a little easier to motivate ourselves to move forward through the challenges. I do think this is maybe even referring back to the very beginning of the episode of like, how do you stay motivated when you could just sleep all day because you're yeah. right next to your workshop? Um it's when you don't have that inherent pressure. I feel like that's what a lot of people have a hard time motivating themselves or challenging themselves going out of their comfort zone because no one's really forcing you to make mm. a new cutting board, right? You're like, I'm good at making cutting boards. Do something better. Mm. Let me see something more unique. Like, no one, you're not going to get that pressure from anybody, especially if, like you said, Red, it's just on you. You make cutting boards. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. You make good cutting boards. Awesome. But what if somebody comes in there and just goes, what if, what if you try this? Try this, or like challenge you on something. I think mm. you know, what I'm getting at is, um, I think one important aspect of community or just your close friends or or uh, people that you respect in a similar field to you, and this is specifically with making. Um, I had this conversation when I went to the blacksmithing gathering two weeks ago. I had a really amazing talk with one of the artists that was there and he had a really good argument for uh, critiquing or challenging another creative person to get better or try something new or expand on what they're, whatever they're working on. We used to have critiques in art school all the time and it made me so much better because it's a mm. bunch of non-judgmental people in your peer group saying we accept not all of us are great. We are here yeah. to make each other better. And I, going back to that big old golden rule of treat others the way you want to treat yourself, I love challenging people. It has become like my new favorite thing is just, I want to go in and challenge, but I want it to be a positive thing. Mm -hmm. I, don't want to, I don't want it to be perceived as me walking in and go, you could do better than that, because then you're just a dickhead. Yeah. But I do think there's something very valuable about having people close to you they will challenge you, right? It's, it, you know, maybe it's your wife, but I, I think there are, there is something extremely valuable when you are, when everything is on you, but there's no mm. real inherent pressure. Can mm. you challenge yourself to do better? And then can you actually push that outward to the people that are close to you and say, we could be better. You help me, I help you. We push each other to be the best version of ourselves or make the best version of the thing that we're working on. Yeah. That's become like new mantra. I'm just, I'm trying to own that. I want to put it out in the world with good vibes and just like be helpful, push forward. 
inject the knowledge that I have into other people, but have it all be in like a good challenging way. I want to be challenged. So I'm going to treat you the same way. Challenge me. Mm. I'm going to challenge you. Mm. I think that's how we get over the, the first anxiety and replace. If we don't have an external stressor, it's a way that we replace whatever that external stress is. That's great. I, I, I like that. The, the, yeah, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I, for a long time, I was my worst enemy in the sense that I, I was challenging myself to do stupid stuff, um, difficult stuff, but that, that I wanted to do. And it, it enabled me to learn a lot of new skills and to face a lot of challenges and to, to, to do a, a lot of interesting stuff. As you said, now my, my wife is behind me and say, yeah, you should do that. You should try that. And she's pushing me in the right direction. So is my kid. Like that, where is my my uh, quiver from uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild? <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, 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 I guess I need to make one now. So there's always this, the people that love you will be the one that motivates you and, and try to push you to be better at what you are doing or just a better human being. So that's very important. And so that's also what friends uh, should be for you. Like trying to grow together and to push each other uh, limits to go in the right direction. So yeah, it, it totally makes sense what you what you said, Brad. I, th I think an important part um, an important part of that though is not only like the praise and motivation and pushing forward, mm. but also like Brett was leaning into uh, with the art critique thing is also to say like, okay, how can this has been done better? Mm. Like, what's the details that can be improved upon? And when teaching, I often have to sort of tell students, this is really good. Now, do you want me to nitpick? Mm. And like, like this here, here's a divot. You can hit that, you can remove that divot. You can straighten this part. This should have been at a slightly different angle to make it look better. And I can go into the minute details. Yeah. But of course, if they're already struggling with just hitting where they're thinking, that doesn't make any difference. Yeah. But that's, it is a skill that needs to be yeah. developed. Um, both the critiquing and the, the actual doing. That's, that's it. You have to be on both sides of that and you have to be able to accept it, right? If you are asked to critique somebody's work and nitpick specifically, mm. can you do that in a way that is healthy and positive and affirming versus what we typically deal with with the social media era, which... Mm. The first thing that's going to come out in a trolley comment is somebody telling you did something completely wrong because they would do it different or they saw somebody else do it different. And then you struggle with that fight. That's not a good, that's not a healthy critique. If you're mm -hmm. telling me that I could planish out a little bit more on a piece that I'm working on, that's just you telling me a very attainable challenge. Yeah. I can, yeah. I can do that. Oh, you're right. I could have spent five more minutes on this and had something more visually pleasing, but we we all have to work on that. We are more often than not very defensive. We don't want people to critique our lives or judge our lives or try and impart their wisdom on us, whatever it is. But if it's somebody close to you that you have a developed relationship with, like Brad, I would love to look at some leather pieces and just have you go, what do you think? I will probably praise it because I love your work. But at the same time, I love what you just said, Rasmus. I might have to hold on to that. Do you want me to be nitpicky? Because then it's mm. kind of fun. You're like, J for funsies, mm. do you just want me to screw with you a little bit and we can all look at the details? Please, yeah. please and thank you. 
because then we can both accept that well we're overdoing this we're everyone's happy with how it turned out but for funsies we're going to dive into this a little bit more and go i don't like the dye color that you used i would have gone with something a little bit more on the brown side and then you go yeah uh, and then you can even come back and say, actually, I went with this one that's more red because blah, 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 blah. And if you can explain, this is art school going back to you. If you can explain yeah, yeah. why you made a choice, mm-hmm. it's debate, healthy debate. Debate class used to be a thing in school. If you can have a healthy debate with somebody, you don't walk away enemies or feeling yeah. lesser about each other. You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. man, that expanded my brain and my thought process. And we are healthier. Both of us are healthier because of it. We're going to go on to the next thing. But a lot of people haven't even take that first. Can you put your work out there and go fucking obliterate me? I don't care. Tell me what you want. I'm here to accept it. We're all going to get better because of this. But you need to make a valid argument. It needs to be good and not just some trolley bullshit about the finish that I used. Don't do that. Yeah, that's right. That That's what we are doing when we are posting on the, on the social anyway. We are offering our work and we are sacrificing it and ourselves to critique but if it as long as i critique though it's ridicule like critique is a very (laughs) refined beautiful thing yeah 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 yeah, it should be and and i agree like comments let's say we are we are uh we offer ourselves and our work to comments Critique is something very different. You're right. It should be something done in the most um, pure state of mind, like and with compassion, with compassion and and understanding of all the work that uh, we have put into whatever we have done and and shown to the world. So if it's oh, I like your stuff, but or. Uh, I could have done the same with uh, $10,000 worth of, of tools. Yeah, okay, that's that's not critique. That's not... that's. I that's mean, come here and show yeah, me. Yeah, show me, show me. <laughs> oh, my, my answer when I get that comment is is, is usually, uh, no, no, you couldn't. Uh, yeah. But anyway... Um, th- but French what confidence. Sh- <laughs> no, it's, it's just like... No, I'm, just it, kidding. It, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's part of that. But if he's going to be an asshole, I can be as well. And worse, because it's my channel, so I can still delete and block him. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, the thing, is, what you said is very important. That That's exactly what I'm expecting you as a friend. If I send you a picture, a picture of my work and say, what do you think? I don't need your praise. I, I'm not asking for it because I, you're my friend and I want your honest opinion about it. So, yeah. Obviously, I want you to be to be picky about it and and tell me what I did wrong because I can't see it or I can't see what needs to be improved. So, yeah, that's what I'm expecting you as a friend to do when I'm asking you, what do you think of my work? If I'm not confident enough to take the, the critique, to take the advice, I don't ask because I'm struggling with my work and... I'm struggling with me being my worst enemy, as I said, enough for not um, taking more uh, of, oh, you should have done that this way or that way or change this or that because, yeah, I'm, I, I finished the project. I'm exhausted, so please, I need a break. Just, just, yeah. just 
no. So that's when I don't ask. But if I ask, yeah, I want the truth. I want I want to be I want mm-hmm. you to be picky. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just going into the the more humanistic side of that, it's a very vulnerable space to put yourself mm. in. That's uh, my professors in college were very keen on explaining how a good critique should work because it was everybody hanging their work up in the room. And then you go, you don't come in here and blast them because you don't want somebody walking out of here feeling like they just joined a college that they shouldn't be in and their skills aren't up to par. There is a healthy way of doing that exchange. That's why it's usually easier with closer friends, people that you Mm -hmm. have a connection with. But as you've stated in previous podcasts, even the last one, you kind of talked about the weakness thing, but it's a vulnerable position to put yourself in to be critiqued, for your work Mm -hmm. to be critiqued, for your life to be critiqued. If somebody walked up to you tomorrow that you didn't know read and was just like, your son's an asshole and I didn't like this thing about him. (laughs) Like, you're going to come back with fire, right? But if it was- I'd be in jail the next day. (laughs) Yeah, but if it was a close friend of yours and they were like, oh, you know what's really worked well for my child? uh, Mm. It seems like you've been talking a lot about your son struggling with this thing or whatever, whatever. You're kind of asking for advice or a critique Mm. on how you're doing as a dad. The funny thing about that is that like most parents are just like, I did the best I could and we should all just accept that our parents did what they were told and the best that they possibly could and we came out and hopefully we're okay humans in the end. But when it comes down to our work... So they did a good job, more or less. Yeah. But that vulnerable position is... Again, I know I'm, I'm beating on about it, but it's just... I think the social media thing has just really shifted things where vulnerability is not good Mm. or if someone is vulnerable it's usually because of something like completely fucking life altering that no one can really judge you can't go like i got in an accident and i'm very vulnerable right now and i'm in the hospital no one's gonna go fucking walk it off like get it what are you doing you gotta go back to work but small it's it's really a, a small ask to have a friend of yours look at your work and go i want to be better and i know i can be but I'm lost in the sauce right now. Can you help me be the best that I can be? And can we mm. do that for each other? It's it's such a vulnerable space if you are a like a very dominant personality or if you're used to being alone in your workshop doing your own work. That is mm. inherent. Like no one watches me work. I do all my shit on my own. Yeah. So if somebody steps in and goes, you know what you could do better? I'm like, fuck you, is my immediate reaction. Because <laughs> like you didn't see what it took just to get that. Well, they don't have context. And you don't have an established friendship. Yeah. Vulnerable space, so we get defensive. I want to embrace that vulnerability between close people in our lives and, and know that it's we're all here to try and make each other better. Or at least that's what I think we should be doing. It's the whole crew yeah. mentality, Agreed. right? High tides raise all ships. Tell me what I did wrong. Tell me why you don't like the color that I used on this thing. It will be beneficial, and we will still walk away friends in the end. I, uh, if I may finish off with another point, that it is really difficult to also accept criticism in the moment you're super proud of something. Mm-hmm. Which is also super... It's not the time to give criticism, it, like if you recognize like someone showing up like this thing I just did, I'm super proud of finally doing it. And it's like, yeah, absolutely share them on. But if you also care about them, give them a moment to enjoy that or days probably 
and then go on and say, hey, can we talk about this thing you did? I have some things you that might make it better next time. But of course, if you lie in the moment and say like, oh yeah, that's excellent. And then come a few days later and go like, so what I said earlier was a complete lie, but I want to help you. It's not the same. Uh, I just think that's important as well to mention. Navigating that. You're right. Navigating yeah. that is, I think, it's that skill set that sometimes people haven't either developed or... And it's 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 a conversation. It's it's kind of uh, I should say it's it's a long, long form conversation where you sort of need to ease into it, especially if you don't know the other person that well. Is sort of like okay, talk me through what your thinking process was, what the methods you used, why did you do the things you did, because then you heard the reasoning, and maybe the reasoning is sound, so you don't have any actually valid arguments anymore. Like, like just the colors of whatever leather wallet you were imagining, Brad, is like, no, that's the colors I had. I agree. Most other things would be better, but this is what I had. So this awesome. is what I used. And then that context is there and you go, we both agree. Yeah. And then you realize then, like, you have like a lot of creative similarities and it's even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I just want to get that out there as well, because it's, it, it's like a time and a place for everything. And yeah, if you care about the other person, you should let them know that they fucked up in some way. If it is like important to let them know that they fucked up so they don't do that again. Uh, health, like health and safety advice in our workshops, that's important. Maybe, uh, but it's also like a topic to maybe be approached in this kind of a gentle fashion and definitely with compassion. Yeah, that's what I, I was about to say. If someone ask you for critique about their work about something that they have been doing just be gentle because yeah but but also when people sorry uh, when people actually ask for critique don't just say oh yeah that looks good no 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 that's what not what i mean yeah sure you can say oh that looks good i like it it could be improved in this or that way just don't go it can be improved everything can be improved so the the way you you say you express the critique it is mm. very important it can be the first time for them to do that thing so what you said yeah of course you should give them the time to enjoy to be proud of what they've done but but <clears throat> critique critique has to be gentle you you never know how what's what's the mindset the state of mind the emotion of the person you are talking to at that exact moment even though mm. he asked or she asked for critiques you you never know what's going in in the head life heart at that exact moment so if you're too prompt to judge if you are too harsh in your uh with your words it can be very destructive it can be very hurtful and and just kill the joy of making stuff for that person just being gentle is so important uh, when you are offering critique okay this is gonna be my last thing um <laughs> but this just reminded me of if anyone has seen goodwill hunting or even if you hadn't there's a scene in there that is fucking brilliant like it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. But Matt Damon, genius that he is or whatever, goes into Robin Williams' office, the therapist, and starts looking at everything and asking questions or whatever. And then he keys in on this painting and he, he yes. just 
he just makes a bunch of judgments and assumptions about Robin Williams' life, and then they fuck off, right? And they they get mad at each other. Then they meet at the park bench, and the thing that Robin Williams says that is just so powerful is he was like, you think I watch this and I know how you are? You think you know this about me or whatever? He goes, you looked at a painting, and you ripped my fucking life apart. You don't know anything about me. The gentleness, the the nature of what a critique can be and, and being helpful to your peers or your family or whatever. It is easy to to assume and cast quick judgment, especially with the, the nature of society these days. With just like you put something up, that's clearly who you are. You're that guy now. You're that person that does that thing. That's how I know you. Or more honestly it's like yeah you're one of 50 people that do that and i've lost you in a nebulous void of social media the idea that you can come in and help each other help each other be better don't be judgmental if you've never done a critique and and been critical but constructive constructive criticism is difficult it is a skill to get better at and i challenge anybody that's listening to this if you've never done it before let that be a first and that's spiffing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Yeah, sure. Well done. Uh, did you want some final point, Red? No, uh, that's no, it. I, I, I think everybody should try. Yeah, yeah did. No, I just wanted to say that being gentle is very important, especially when it's the first time. But it was kind of a segue, and, and you just. <laughs> so, well, that just took my brain in a couple of weird directions. <laughs> Just be gentle when it is your first time. I'm, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go first. Uh, yes, please because do. Because damn you and your recommendations, uh, Brett. I just binge watched Welcome to Rexham in like a day or day and a half. Um, you mentioned it uh, a while back, actually, uh, probably a year ago or so. Um, and the other day I was, I was killing time on TikTok and I saw something related to Rexham. I'm not going to say what it is, but it reminded me that you mentioned the, the show and I was like, oh yeah, I need to watch that. And I did. And it's absolutely brilliant. I was expecting something about, um, uh, football, uh, obviously like talking a lot about players and what's going on inside the club. It's, it's not it's not exactly what it is. So just as a reminder, Ryan Reynolds, the big Hollywood star, and Rob McElhaney, uh, I think his name sure. is. Go with that. The, the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> McElhaney, that, that, yeah. McElhaney, yeah. Um, the other guys that less people know. They both get together, put a lot of money into a, a, a very small football club um, in Wrexham. Wells. Uh, in yeah. Wells, yeah. And and so there is a show explaining everything that's going on. Uh, 18 episodes of 26 minutes. It's now on Disney Plus, at least in France, but probably everywhere in the world. Uh, it's it's mesmerizing. It's very interesting. It's not about football. It's not only about football, but the intent that they put in that club. The the um, this club is the heart of the community of that town, and everything that they are doing. Um, they are doing it for the community, for the people who support that club for so many years. And something magical is is happening. And that that's absolutely fantastic to see. 
So I'm I can't wait now to see the second season of that show. Um, with what just happened last weekend. We, exactly with what happened mm-hmm. last weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you haven't seen the first season, it's now available on on Disney Plus. Please go and watch it if you like Ryan Reynolds, like I do, because he's a funny guy and 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 everything he's done is is pretty good. Aside from Green Lantern, maybe. I, on, honestly, I think Ryan Reynolds is being played by Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. It's not Ryan Reynolds who plays Deadpool. It's Deadpool who plays Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, the problem is that now he's he's, he's <laughs> often hired to be Deadpool in other movies. Like in, yeah. in Free Guy, he's playing Deadpool without being really. Yeah, it's like oh, I, ha- I haven't seen that Free Guy yet. Uh, it's, it's, fun. it's it's fun. yeah, it's fun. But it's... yeah, I heard about this fun. It's one of those like oh yeah, I'll get to it when I get to it, and I haven't yet. Anyway, he's a good guy. He's a funny yep, actor. Yep. It's, it's great. Uh, I really like what they are doing with this club. The show is great. Uh, you can binge watch it in, in like a day or two. Uh, very interesting. A lot of uh, uh, light is put on the people supporting the club, building this club, working for this club. It's not about Ryan Reynolds uh, or the other guy. Um, it's, it's totally <laughs> worth watching. So yeah, it's called Welcome to Wrexham. First season on Disney Plus. Can't wait for season two. Really. Excellent. Brett? Yes. So I will admit that I spiffed this on our podcast recording most recently, but I'm just buried in it. And uh, it's a fantastic podcast. If you are into films, movies, and the opinions of other people, like willing to hear them, and much like we've talked about with the constructive criticism, uh, I did have to listen to the episode of Edgar Wright where he totally throws his opinion that Goonies is not a good movie. I have to eat that because I love Edgar Wright. <laughs> but Goonies is also one of my favorite childhood movies, so it was kind of hard to listen mm-hmm. to that guy talk down about it. Yeah. Is what it is. He's a beautiful filmmaker. He has his own opinions. Boom. Anyway, the podcast itself has been going on for a while, but... I only started listening to it recently. It is with Brett Goldstein, who is from um, Ted Lasso, also another show mm-hmm. about oh, yeah. football and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Brett Goldstein is a huge movie nerd. Would have never picked that up from his character uh, in Ted Lasso, but he knows so much about movies and film, and he just does interviews with people... Uh, Actors, comedians, whatever. He's had, he, like, Sharon Stone was on an episode a couple years ago. That was amazing. Do you want to say what it's called? It's called Films to be Buried With. Oh, I like that. Yes. Title. And yeah. so the entire premise is that he interviews these people, tells them they're dead, and then makes them answer questions about how film has affected their life and and what they take with them to the afterlife film-wise. And it's just... It's very fun and very beautiful, and there are some people... I mean, I'm still going through the Rolodex, but there are people on there that you wouldn't necessarily expect to just love, love, love film. And not just, we like this movie. It's like getting into the details, the production values, the special mm. things. So if you like movies and film and love hearing other people talk about it, it's like sitting in a room and just having a movie conversation with people, which yes. is one of my favorite things to do. So, yeah, it's great. Films to be buried with. There are like hundreds of episodes because I totally missed the boat on this thing a few years ago. Uh, so lots to catch up on and listen to. And I've heard that it's more European 
uh, or Europe centric with their guests. Like it's a lot of people that are on Ooh. television or in movies over there that I didn't know most of the names. That, that helps. Yeah. I mean, for us. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. I, I think I'm ready to add another podcast to my list. So <laughs> this might be it. It's so relaxed and nebulous and it's just fun to listen to. So. Very cool. What about you? Uh, my focus is a little game called Hades. Which has been out for a while. I know. Uh, but I've been playing it for the last week or so. And it's so fucking good. It's so much fun. Nice little premise. It's a roguelike. And which means that you die a lot, but you get a little bit of progress you can spend to upgrade your character for the next run, basically. And the premise of the game is that you are supposed to escape from Hades in Greek mythology, get out of hell and up to the surface. Mm -hmm. And the mythology is fantastic. You're playing as the prince of hell, uh, Sagrius. You run into all of the gods. You have to... You can give them gifts, you can get boons back, you get upgrades. It's randomly generated every single run. And a variety of different weapons you can play with. And it's not terribly complicated, but it's just... But it's a lot of complexity to it. with And a lot of random chance with what upgrades you get, what weapons you have. Some runs might just be absolute shit. Next time, you nearly get to the boss and you nearly defeat the final boss. And then he whoops your ass back down in hell and you cry for a little bit because you were so close to get out of it. No personal experience happening here. Um, but yeah, it's really nice, really fun. And uh, one run in the beginning can be 10, 15 minutes. And then as you get deeper and deeper, it stretches out to 45 minutes. But it's nice, manageable chunks, I think. Cool. There's a reason it won a garbage load of awards. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, it won everything, like, when it came out, didn't it? Yeah, it set a new standard it just for take the me until now to... procedural generated games and stuff. Like Now everyone's just trying to remake Hades' success. Yeah. There is a Hades 2 coming out, though, too. Just so everybody's aware. Oh, yeah, I know. And Zelda's I'm... around the corner, just in case anybody wants to play Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my kid was telling me earlier, oh, you, did you realize it's, it's, like, in two weeks, Zelda is out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell him that Wait. we pre-ordered it, but yeah. Oh, uh, oh, he's gonna be like loving that. Yeah, I hope so. But is it is it that close? Yeah, twelfth May, twelfth May. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, more. Oh, it's Make Your Central weekend. That's why you're not coming. Exactly. Both of you. We're gonna play, <laughs> we're gonna be playing Zelda all weekend. All yeah. Week. Anyway, Brett, where can the good people at home do some friendly stalking? Well, I post I post mostly on the Patreon Instagram now. But I should be... I have a couple of video ideas and some things that I want to produce for the YouTube channel, which would be you can search YouTube Skull and Spade or YouTube.com slash Brett McAfee. Uh, and Instagram is Skull and Spade 13. Yeah. That's on and Patreon as well. 
Yeah, but like, come on. I have awesome patrons. It's fantastic that people keep doing that. But... No, that's why I'm saying it, because you, you also do awesome content for the Patreon people by actually keeping all of this behind-the-scenes stuff that yes. you briefly mentioned on the podcast today, but you actually update us other there's just the people like we're all helping each other and there's a lot of advice and exchange and stuff i don't share all that stuff on the mains because of what we've talked about this episode yes <laughs> anyway fair enough if you wanted to enough. be a patreon awesome i'd appreciate it but at the same time uh keep your money take care of you and yours do whatever you need to do uh he deserves it give him money and if you want to get a hold of the rest of us collectively, you can do that at Two Thirds Focus. And we can also accept your money on Patreon. Uh, I have no soul, as you can clearly see <laughs> or hear. Uh, but you can find me at Rasmus Lewin and LewinSmea.no if you now want a knife, because I have knives for the first time in forever. Nice. And you can find me at uh, Redsmiths or The Redsmiths everywhere on the internet, more specifically at TheRedsmiths.com. And 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 we don't have a yarn, so yeah, that's it. No, thank you, Brett. And we are we are sending <laughs> oh. love to our friend Jan. Yes, he'll explain himself proper when he's back. Or if he doesn't, that's fine as well. But yeah, yeah. yeah. You, thank you, Brett, thank for being on. Thank you, Brett. You guys, this was fantastic. Thank you very much. That was great to have you back again. So yes. And people who didn't listen to episode 55, go back and do that Absolutely. because it's also really good. Yeah. Oh my God. I wonder because what that would be like. In comparison to, to Fools to. with Tools, I mean, in, in comparison to Fools with Tools, we do allow you to talk on this podcast. True. <laughs> Those guys. Those two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess that should be mentioned. You do have another podcast called Fools with Tools, with, where you're the odd one out of being, well, I guess also here, but you're the American with two British fellas. You're still doing it? Hilarity in shoes. Well, I mean, they pretend. Okay. No, it's Brent, been so uh, long uh, since the last episode. <laughs> Steve, every once in a while, uploads an episode saying, oh, I'm sorry, there's no episode. Oh, okay. And it's Steve's <laughs> fault, right? We love you, Steve. Bye-bye. <laughs> Have a good Bye. week. <laughs>